You are listening to the voice of Daryl Bennett and welcome to another installment of the Daryl Bennett Experience. Higher learning, where we discuss everything from government and law to business, finance, and entrepreneurship to current events and spirituality. I promise you, your life will never be the same. In this episode, you'll be listening to the second session of the masterclass uh, that I'm doing for lawyers in South Africa called How to Speak Like a Pro, How to Speak Like One of the Masters. Uh, the first session, as you'll remember, we talk a lot about attention setting, knowing the purpose of why you want to go in and what that communication is going to look like and how to uh, clarify that purpose and be very clear in how you state that purpose to the audience. Uh, and then we went into some meeting management tactics as well as how to frame uh, your discussion. Today, we're going to build on that in this session and talk about uh, precision, persuasion, as well as problems analysis. Trust me, you don't want to miss this. Listen in. Well, thank you for being on. Um, I know this is a sacrifice and I want to make certain that you get, you know, your, uh, just your investments worth. Um, you're going to really enjoy today. Today, the intention is for us to really tackle communication as a sale. Um, at the end of this, what, 90 minutes, you're going to have a better sense of how to see communication, all communication as a sale, and how to be more effective with that. Um, so we're going to go through precision. I know we kind of ended with that last time. We're going to uh, cover three things really today. Precision, persuasion, and problems analysis. Precision, persuasion, and problems analysis. Now, let me frame this a little bit. The way that I share, and I think this is really what makes me different than most people who share about communication, is that I'm big on being interdisciplinary because that's been my experience. So I want you to think of it, if you think of it in quadrants, there's four quadrants really of how I think about communication and the way that I've seen people communicate and, and how we're gonna talk here. One is law, one is academia, another is business. And then that fourth quadrant, I'm gonna call it like that, religion, inspiration, self-growth, entertainment sphere where like a lot of things can go in there, arts, let's just call that arts. So I'm gonna go over those again because knowing the sphere that we're in is gonna be important to how we communicate. But to the extent that you can learn best practices in each of these four in communication and make them transferable, you're gonna be a superstar. So first is law. You know, so how does that manifest? It manifests in the courtroom. It manifests typically in how people write. It manifests in, you know, this ability to argue and argue quickly. It's, you know, really around um, uh, adversarial. And I don't say that in a negative way, but it's adversarial and advocational. Then you've got academia, which tends to be more lecture-driven, more informational, more, okay, you're pulling together presentations that are less about your opinion. I mean, you can intersparse it with that, but how do you show that you've done research? How do you show credibility behind the subject? Establish yourself as an expert. Then there's business. That's what we're gonna focus on today because again, these are gonna be, be transferable skills. How do you think of, so, so business, excuse me, how does that manifest? 
the way people think of it is manifesting as, well, the boardroom, a negotiation, you know, at a high level when we think of negotiation. But I want to show you how, you know, even is like, do I go in this parking spot or you getting in this parking spot? That's a negotiation. You know, when you're talking with your friend and whether you go to this restaurant or that restaurant, you need a five or six is a sale. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a, in a kitsch or cliche way, but I need you to see it that way. So when I share with you some business principles, you're not like, well, I'm not in sales. This doesn't have to do with me, right? This is what's going to expand you. The best lawyers also know how to communicate in sales, know how to communicate how the academics do, know how to communicate, you know, uh, energetically, right, entertainment-wise, and vice versa, all these other quadrants. The fourth quadrant is that religion, inspiration, entertainment. I mean, we're talking, these are obviously multi-billion dollar industries. This manifests in just the religion, houses of worship and churches and whatever that religion may be, the traditional religion tradition. But then there's those inspirational conferences, the Tony Robbins of the world, these corporations that bring in these speakers to just get people excited, to get them pumped up about their, you know, purpose. Um, and then, you know, there's the entertainment, there's tactics. And we're going to spend a day where we're just going to talk about some of the tactics that are used in entertainment to catch us that we should be using even if we are just in business or we are just in law, right? I mean, we go, I go back to Johnny Cochran. He was so effective because, and I'm gonna teach you a quick formula here. He understood presentation plus persuasion. Presentation plus persuasion. And that's what I wanna show you. In all four quadrants, there's best practices to presentation plus persuasion. And you have to know, when you know the best practices in each quadrant and you know what quadrant you're being asked to speak in, that gives you the freedom to know how to sort of meld things or use things or intersparse things. So let me be clear. Like if I am, if I know that they're bringing me into a training for a corporation, I may not have as much freedom as if I'm being asked to speak at a women's conference about my story, but still, and which that, that latter thing is probably gonna fit in quadrant four under self-growth inspiration. But still, I can use some of those tactics, right? So I want to do today, I want to begin to bring you out of, well, you're probably already out of it, but continue to bring you out of this thinking of just how do I think of this myself as just a lawyer? Because most of you said, because I was you know, reading over it as I was preparing, you know, I want to start thinking differently or talking differently than just lawyer speak. A few of you said that. Um, so I want to begin to show you that. And I want to frame it from the beginning. Today, we're going to talk a lot through business. I don't want you to check out and be like, well, this isn't, this isn't relate to me. No, this, this has everything to do with you, all right? So how do you feel about what I just said about the four quadrants? Just that, and, uh, and there's more, I'm sure, but I'm just simplifying it. And the way that those communication styles uh, manifest themselves. Does that make sense the way that I kind of did that? Okay. 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 The reason I did that, just to say, is because I have found it's troubling if someone says, oh, I just want to show you public speaking. 
But public speaking is going to be different, right? I mean, depending on what arena I'm in. So unless I'm teaching a class that's literally, you know, 30, 40, 50 hours, where we really have the time to dig into each one, I want to call out from the beginning, I'm going to teach you top line. And I want to show you some things that are effective in each quadrant. But it, it's and I'm going to give you some resources. But I think if you really want to be effective, start reading some of the books of people that are not in your lane but that are in your same, they're not in your industry, but they're in your same skill set and gifting set. Does that make sense? So, so you're connected in that way, but maybe not in the industry because there's much more, what the comedian is doing has a lot more in common with the sales agent who has a lot more in common with the lawyer. And I've seen it because I've been all of them than you might think. Okay, all right, I think I've hit that enough. Let's move to what we wanna talk about specifically for today. Let there be light. Um, <laughs> I want to, so today we're kind of gonna really focus out of that business quadrant. So let's step back for a second um, before we even get to precision. When you think of a sale, I don't want everybody, I mean, just one person kind of come off me. When you think of a sale, what do you think about? Persuasion. Okay, good. So what's persuasion? Um, it's, to con it's, con it's to convince you of something, to convince you of this being the best product or you need this to make your life better. Um, okay, let's kick this around for a quick second. I want somebody else because I see a few smiles because that's a big one. We use the word persuasion, but what does it mean? Now, here's some, I hear you saying it's to convince somebody. Um, does someone have another thought as to what persuasion may be? I think it could be an element of influence. Okay, so you know I'm going to ask you to define that. So what is influence, like persuasion? Give me a, what is influence? Um, changing the way people think. Okay, it's changing the way people think. Someone else said something, what were you gonna say? Um, to make someone do something, to act in a certain way, manner. Okay. Or not to. So I, I want y'all to hear this because it's interesting. We've got one person kind of saying it's about thinking and someone else is saying it's about doing. And then someone else talk about convincing and I don't know what convincing means if it's not thinking or doing, maybe it's neither one. So you see how even that is interesting. What does it mean to persuade? So I, in preparing for this, I saw a great quote. I just thought this was interesting. And I, I, hopefully I don't botch it. But they said that there, was, there were two people in antiquity. One's name was Dasosceles, a Greek, and another one, Cicero, the Roman. And they said they were both phenomenal orators. They said when Cicero spoke, everyone said it was a great speech. When Diocles spoke, everyone said, let's go march. <laughs> you see the difference? One pushed people to say, that was phenomenal. Another pushed people to action. So this is what I want you to write in your notes. Persuasion is getting people to a yes state. So I don't want you to think about it like convincing. And I'm going to tell you why. Because... Convincing has this sense of like arm pulling a little bit. 
we've all been in a situation where, I don't want to say what we've all been, just by a show of hands, have you ever been in a situation where someone has, you knew they were trying to convince you and you're sitting here like, you're not going to convince me. And if I say yes, I'm just going to say yes to get you the heck out of my face. Like, because it's just not going to, it's not going to, yeah. We never want to be that person. So this is how I want you to think about. How do you get people to do what they were already going to do? Or to get them to a place of receptability, to want to do what you want them to do? There is a slight difference to that. Because when you've made a person feel a certain way, they're going to move in a direction. Or you made them think a certain way, they're going to move in a direction. See how this all fits in? Remember, we talked about purpose. We said that purpose at the beginning is I want people to do what? I want them to think something, to feel something, or to do something. Well, let me rephrase that. What we said last week was when you go into any communication, any speech, any you know, presentation, courtroom argument, you want to think to yourself, do I want them to think something, feel something, or do something? All right. So now you're seeing kind of the connection because when we start talking about persuasion, I want to get them, once I know what it is that I want to accomplish, how do I create the space, the space that makes the yes happen? It's a slight difference, but it's a big difference. It's a big, because now there's no convincing. You see what I'm saying? There's not a convincing. I don't have to convince the seed. Let me give you an analogy to grow. All I've got to do is create the right conditions and put the seed in the soil and water it. It will germinate. I don't have to talk to, I don't have to, you know. So knowing that, I want you from the beginning to think about how do I put people in yes state? This is how we do it. As we talk about persuasion, we're gonna talk about how you go from rapport, which is entering someone's world and building relationships. Part of the reason why, uh, so I'll kind of get right into this. This is, this is a good place for us to start. Part of the reason why there's so much convincing that happens is because people have not established rapport. Someone in your family or someone that's a loved one calls and asks you to do something is probably not as much of a push, even if you don't want to do it. Why? Because that person has built a rapport. So I want you to begin to think about, see, that's why I want to get you past the Great communicators, great talkers. No, 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 no. All of us know somebody that's a great talker and it's like, you still didn't get the point across. I want you to think about it as great communicators are great persuaders. They know how to create the conditions that make a yes possible. And they're doing that partly by establishing a rapport. It's a reason why they say, I think they say Yale did a study, people who smile and are just optimistic people and are known for being optimistic make generally 40% more than people who are not. That's one of the reasons why I'm a jovial person. I just think it attracts people to you. People do business with people that they like. Build rapport. We've all been in a situation where you've maybe, you know, you stayed longer in a conversation, but you like the person. Right, you like you genuinely made a connection, and I think we miss that. 
because we go straight to what's the content I want to get across. But you got to build rapport. If I can build the rapport, if I can create the condition, if I can, let me go back because I know we're all, you know, everybody's in law in some capacity here. If I can, I'm going back to Johnny Cochran. Johnny Cochran was a wizard at creating an environment where jury said, yeah, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I don't even need to convince you of the rightness or wrongness of the merit of my argument. I just want to create the environment, which was part of the reason why he dressed the way he did. We'll get into that in another session where we'll talk about verbal cues. He talked about how he said, I knew who my juries were. People like to see their people look like something. He understood that. Same message is received differently based on how I look, because what am I doing? I'm creating an environment. We've all heard a good tip from somebody and you looked at them and you said, if you knew that tip, you probably wouldn't be broke. And you're making an assumption that they're broke because of what? We all do that. We, we're perceiving so many things. So how do I begin? Because I'm, I'm giving you, I'm giving you, I'm raising your awareness to, if you understand that all these things are given off cues that are creating the environment, there are things that you can do from the beginning before you even walk in the room to create the environment of power, of, of persuasion, of authority, of expertise that I know what I'm talking about. And there are things that do the opposite. All right, so persuasion, a state of getting a yes. So the first thing I wanted to spell is we're not here to try to convince people. Cause you know, this is the thing too. My mom always told me this, Daryl, a mind against, a mind changed against its will is of the same opinion still. And it's the truth. You're not going to convince people. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. So how do I create the environment? So the first thing is I want to create rapport. How am I entering someone's world? Just think about that for a second and kind of write that question down. When I'm entering, if it's a presentation I'm giving, if it's, you know, the courtroom, let me, let me make it practical. I've seen sharp lawyers. I mean, sharp lawyers. I, I was, let me give you an example. Woman dealing with her son, her son is, uh, he's, he's dealing with a number of different cases and some substantial time behind bars for a number of activities. So I was there to kind of help her to understand the legalese between, you know, because the lawyer, you know, she kind of had me there to do that. And the first thing she said is, I can't trust this lawyer because she was on her phone playing uh, Brick Breaker or one of these games or whatever during the break in the trial. And the first thing that I'm trying to do is to get the family to understand is that has no bearing on how great of an attorney she is or even at her heart center. She's just in the middle of a break, taking a break. But I also understand on the other side is the family member, she lost rapport. Because for her, it's just like, oh, let's play it again. Maybe she wasn't even aware. But that, that, that family member now sees them as less trustworthy, right? So I'm only sharing this story because there are certain things that we can do from the beginning or not do that make the world of difference. You know, so of course, I'm not going to go back to that. <laughs> you on your phone. And that's why she's acting weird towards you. You know, because that's, you know, because the first thing that the lawyer said is, can you talk to her family about why she's acting weird toward me, so to speak? Because, you know, as soon as she shows up, the client's, you know, saying all these things. But her anger more or less had to do with, she felt, she took, okay, because I'm going to give you a word here, sensory acuity. 
People who have sensory acuity are always going to be better at communication. What does that mean? This means perception. And that's sensory perception. To go deeper is discernment. To understand what she, for her, it wasn't just that she was on a game. The, the, excuse me, the, the client. She felt like this signified that this lawyer, and I don't have to beat a dead horse, you get what I'm saying, that the lawyer didn't care about the case, right? So I'm only bringing up how the presentation might be there for her because she's definitely sharp, but she lost out with persuasion because she didn't build rapport, right? And it's not out of her heart wanting to, but I'm just giving you the things that we sometimes do. All right, so, so how do we, in, so I, I said that under how do we enter a person's world? You know, pay close attention to how you're introduced. I've had bad presentations that I've done just because of the way I was introduced. And I'm not gonna put it on them, I'm gonna put it on me because I gave an introduction that made me sound more high-minded and it automatically made me lose connection with the audience. You know, people feel a way about that. In one audience, in one sector, it's, you know, Baltimore City, Morehouse College, Harvard Law, New York. It's like, oh, this man is doing his thing. He's building, you know, whatever, whatever, come back swinging. In another room, it's, who does he think he is? You know, what does that mean? Like, you think you're better than me? And in some cases, it can come off that way. And there was a situation where I went into, because of the way I was, I'm not going to say because of the way I was introduced. What I'll say is, it was nothing I could say in that room. They were not feeling anything I had to say. And it was a very uncomfortable situation for me. Um, and I was probably up there on the stage for like 30 minutes and I'm getting questions from people, even questions from the audience. You know, like one of the questions from the audience was, and I knew this had to do with introduction. The audience said, well, for those of us that don't have a Harvard Law degree, how do, how do you help us? I was like, ooh, shots fired. Like, really? Like, what I wanted to say was, brother, See me, I, look, after, outside, we can really talk about my answer, you know, but, but um, afterwards, I'm only sharing this story because afterwards, one of my mentors was there, and we're eating dinner, and I was just like, ah, oh, you know, I just did so bad, and he said, you know what, that, that introduction didn't serve me, who wrote it? I said, well, I wrote it and sent it, he said, it didn't serve you, it didn't serve you, it made you sound like somebody you weren't, it made you, put you above the audience, and so they received you that way, and I'm sharing that with you because you know, I want you to know the, the hits I made to some of the mistakes. Yes. Go ahead, Jenny. With what you just said now, you said that you wrote the introduction and you sent the introduction. It takes me back to last week to say, did you know your audience? Great question. No. And obviously I did. What I did was I sent a general introduction that I send everywhere. So it was like, again, general, what does that mean? I didn't tailor it to that audience. I didn't do research there and send it, nope, I sent some, you know, general, and um, exactly. So I have to own that, that I didn't research, you know, that even, even that I didn't feel the mood enough, let's say after the introduction to be like, yeah, I know they said that, but let me be very clear who I am, you, you, you know? So I've learned, trust me, because they told me about myself up in there. I said, oh my gosh, <laughs> but, but I learned from it, you know, because again, when you look at presentation versus persuasion, you might have a great presentation, but if I'm not aware of the persuasion, and again, it's not convincing, but the things that I'm doing that's creating the state for you to receive my message. What, you know, and I want you to remember that. You know, it's like, you know, it's like the old saying, it's not what you say, y'all can complete this right. It's how you say it. And why is that? 
because eat, like I know I keep going back to dog and cats, even pets understand intonation, inflection. So people don't receive the message when yes, the priest, your content may have been one thing and even still that's dealing with presentation because you're, you're in the inflection, but just go with me for a second. Just because the top level of what I'm saying may convey, you know, try to convey what I want. If those undergirding pieces aren't there, people are gonna feel that and they're not gonna receive the message right. So I guess the point of this sub point, cause I'm about to move on cause I don't wanna hold on this for too long. When you think about persuasion, I want you to think more about, cause most people are gonna think convincing. Most people are gonna think that. I want you to think more about how do I make people more receptive? How do I make you wanna laugh? Cause, 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 cause let me just say this really quickly. There's a reason why restaurants are a little bit colder than just the normal venue because you eat more when you're cold. There's a reason why the bar gives you that popcorn. They don't mind giving you that free popcorn because they want you to eat that, why? Get your mouth salty. They're giving you, they're what? They're not convincing you. Nobody's walking around. You want a beer? You want a beer? You want it? That they're creating the conditions, right? That's how I want you to think about it. They're creating the conditions that are making you thirsty, you know, that are making you want to say, okay, go ahead and give me the overpriced shot. That's a thousand percent markup. Go ahead and give me that.